the HBP Studios. You're listening to the 72nd episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP. I'm Dorian, and for International Firefighters Day, we talk with special guest Brian, who's a firefighter in South Florida. But first, we find Brian Buxton, the ghost of the Minnesota Twins, run through fountains in the Kansas City Royals' new Nike City Connect jersey. And on International Firefighters Day, we talk with Brian, a South Florida firefighter, on working sports events. And today we start the podcast out like we do all the previous 71 episodes with a drink. And I'm having what's called Beta, B-E-I-R-A. It's a strong scotch ale from Ghost Hawk Brewing Company in Clifton, New Jersey. You know HVP loves supporting good American brewing jobs, and we always encourage you to buy local wines, local beers, and local liquor. Today, speaking of ghosts, I want to talk about Byron Buxton. He's a legend. This season, he's already hit six home runs in the first 13 games. And my favorite stat, as always, is on-base percentage. He has a 340 OBP. I love that. It's simple. It's old school. Get on the base eventually. If enough people get on base, you're going to score. Byron Buxton is the center fielder for the Minnesota Twins, and he reminds me a little of those paranormal TV shows you watch, like Ghost Hunters or even old school Unsolved Mysteries. If the ghost of Lizzie Borden is here, whack me on the head with a hatchet. Look, you couldn't pay me to go into some haunted house. Get out of here. No, I would never go on any of these ridiculous ghost hunter shows. For what? To have a ghost following me back home? No, thank you, my friend. So this season, I've been glancing. I've been casually watching some of the Minnesota Twins games this season. And by the way, I'm going to tell you, I think Minneapolis, where the Minnesota Twins play, is one, if not the best city in the Midwest. In no particular order, my favorite cities in the Midwest are Chicago, Indianapolis, and Minneapolis. If it wasn't for the ridiculously cold weather in the winter, I would actually want to move to Minneapolis. It's an amazing, underrated city. Awesome. And they have Byron Buxton playing for them. And last weekend, the Minnesota Twins swept the most talented team in the American League Central Division, the Chicago White Sox. The Twins have won seven of their last eight games. They have a two-game lead in the American League Central Division. It's early days. It's only three weeks into the season, and we all know baseball has 7,000 games in every single regular season. But this is good news for the Minnesota Twins. And sidebar, oh, my God, have you seen the absolute horror show that is the Chicago White Sox defense? They currently lead Major League Baseball with 21 errors. Gross concerning it's out it's outrageous how bad that defense is this season but i'm going to get back to byron buxton the ghost of the minnesota twins i'm going to be real with you i've never actually seen him play until this year byron buxton has played 215 games in the last four seasons people the baseball regular season is 162 games so he's basically played in 39% of all possible games, which is incredibly low. I've heard all about Byron Buxton. 
I've read about him. I've heard people talk about him in podcasts. And I would just roll my eyes at all this hype. I'm like, yeah, everyone says that he's this good, but the guy never plays. And this all changed until I saw him in that weekend series against the Chicago White Sox. Holy schmoly, is this guy good. He has power with the bat. He has speed in the outfield with the glove. And he's an incredibly exciting player. And he's also clutch because in that weekend series, on the 24th of April, he hit a walk-off game-winning home run versus the White Sox all-solar system reliever, Liam Hendricks. Buxton turned around the Liam Hendricks 96-mile-an-hour fastball into a 469-foot home run. It was awesome to watch. And I'm not the first person to say this, and I'm not the last person to say this, but Major League Baseball needs to promote more of its African-American stars. You have, obviously, Byron Buxton. You have the Chicago White Sox shortstop, Tim Anderson. You have the Cincinnati Reds rookie phenom pitcher, Hunter Green. The Cleveland Guardians right-handed pitcher, Tristan McKenzie. And I'm going to be, and I'm going to tell you something as well. I actually saw Tristan McKenzie from the Cleveland Guardians last season when they were known as the Cleveland Indians. I genuinely thought that he was a Dominican pitcher. I was completely wrong. He's actually African-American. So apologies to Tristan McKenzie. And of course, the Los Angeles Dodgers right fielder, Mookie Betts. I know I'm missing out a lot of people, but I'm just giving you some highlights. And some of the previous African-American stars have been Buxton's current teammate, the right-handed pitcher, Chris Archer, who was really big with the Tampa Bay Rays. I loved him, and he's kind of fallen off. He's been traded a few times. He's now signing with a bunch of teams. Also, the Milwaukee Brewers center fielder, Andrew McCutcheon, and the Chicago Cubs right-handed pitcher, Marcus Stroman. Yes, Major League Baseball is terrible at promoting its stars, whether it's Shohei Otani, whether it's Mike Trout, Byron Buxton, Mookie Betts, et cetera. That's not news. Like, for example, you have no reason to watch the Cincinnati Reds this year. They've won three games of their first 20 games. Are you kidding me? They've won three games and lost 17. Why would you watch this team? And shockingly, they're in last place in the National League Central Division. But a few weeks ago, on the 16th of April versus the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Reds rookie pitcher Hunter Green threw 39 pitches that were clocked over 100 miles an hour each one. This guy has an incredible arm talent. And he also had a phenomenal career debut against the Atlanta Braves earlier in the, in the season. I think that was like the second or third game that they had. It was, this kid has the potential to be awesome. And to be fair with Major League Baseball, games are thick and fast. Every team plays five, six games a season. As a counterexample, in the NBA and, that, and for basketball, you're playing, you're playing two to three times a week. In football, they're, ta- they're playing once a week, maybe twice a week. It's hard for a baseball player to break out because there's a smores, smorgasbord of games every single day. You just this, this is constant noise. It's this constant thing that's always on TV, but kind of ignore it, which is messed up. I don't have the answer. I have to think on this more. What could Major League Baseball possibly do to promote players and specifically African-American players like Tim Anderson, Byron Buxton, Mookie Betts, et cetera. You know what else I don't know? Is Byron Buxton actually going to stay healthy this year? 
Who knows? Are the Twins going to win the American League Central Division and shock the Chicago White Sox and the rest of the baseball world? I don't know either, my friend. Nevertheless, watch Byron Buxton. Watch the Minnesota Twins this year. This is an exciting team. And I'm going to start watching a heck of a lot more of the Minnesota Twins baseball games. And while you're looking online for the next Minnesota Twins baseball game on TV, I'm going to have another drink. And you know what you're not going to find on our social media accounts? Ghosts. Nobody wants them. And don't worry, we have no occult stuff on our social media accounts. Our Twitter handle is at HBP4040. And the Instagram account is Hipster Baseball Podcast. Give us a follow. If not, don't. No big deal. You're asking yourself right now, where can I find a Byron Buxton jersey now that I've joined the bandwagon and want to follow the Minnesota's wins? I'm going to tell you because this is where a show sponsor comes in. Oshman Sporting Goods. Summer doesn't start without Oshmans. Skateboards, wetsuits, golf clubs, beach chairs, and batting gloves. Summer lives at Oshmans. Remember, summer doesn't start without Oshman Sporting Goods. Cheers to Oshman. They're absolutely right. Summer's right around the corner, and I can't wait to get all these outdoor summer activities. And at Oshman, you might also be able to find the new Nike City Connect jersey from the Kansas City Royals in our next segment, Styling and Profiling with Ric Flair, Fashion and Sports. Today, the Kansas City Royals are playing, have played in their Nike City Connect jersey at home against the New York Yankees. I didn't know that Kansas City is apparently the city of fountains because I haven't been to Kansas City. And I just told you a few minutes ago that my three favorite Midwest cities are not located in Kansas City. The Royals also in the American League Central Division, just like the Chicago White Sox and the Minnesota Twins. They have rookie third baseman Bobby Wood Jr. Currently in third place in the American League Central Division ahead of the ultra-talented Chicago White Sox. Again, they're having a rocky start to the season. The White Sox, not the Royals. I also want to say, Nike's starting to get better with the City Connect jerseys because last year, I didn't like almost all of them. I think there was like two jerseys I liked of the 2021 Nike City Connect jerseys. This Nike City Connect jersey of the Kansas City Royals is navy blue, and it also has powder blue and white bands around the sleeves, and there's an interlocking KC design on the left chest of the jersey which is supposedly inspired by art deco architecture because they have a lot of art deco architecture in downtown kansas city i didn't know that i love art deco and this is a style of art that came around in paris in the 1910s before the great war before world war one today if you look up at if you look up art deco if you look at art deco it's still futuristic, even if it was 110 years ago. It's amazing. I love Art Deco. So anyways, the K and the C are actually made up of three lines that are interlocking. interlocking, And the numbering style, that the, the numbers that they use for the jersey is also inspired by Art Deco. And the player's number is on the lower right chest of the jersey in the color powder blue. I love it. Powder blue is classic. You cannot go wrong with powder blue. And on the right sleeve of the jersey, there's an R with a crown on top of it because it's supposed to be an homage to the original Royals logo way back in 1969. And on the left side of the jersey, it's blank. I don't know why they just left an empty space there. Who knows? Maybe they want to do advertising in there. I don't know. I think it's pretty wacky to have it completely blank. 
But on the inside of the, the tag of the jersey where the neck is, where your neck is, it says, hey, 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 hey. I didn't know this, but apparently it's the song that the Royals play after each game that they win at home. Ah, Kansas City, gonna get my baby home. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to Kansas City, gonna get my baby back home. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a long, long time since my baby's been gone. That amazing rendition is actually from a 1964 cover song called Kansas City, Hey, 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 recorded by the Beatles. Originally, that song was called Just Kansas City and is written by Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller back in 1952. And it was also recorded for the first time in 1952 by an artist by the name of Little Willie Littlefield. And he called it Casey Lovin'. My question is, why not use that 1952 version or the 1958 cover version by Little Richards versus using the Beatles 1964 version? The Beatles are from Liverpool, England. They're, that's like 5,000 miles away, 6,000 miles away from Kansas City. I think it's a little bit wacky, but I'm not from Kansas City, so I don't know. So karaoke time's over. <laughs> Back to the jersey that the Royals are wearing. The uniform has a powder blue belt. The pants are white, and there's a solid powder blue stripe straight down the sides of the legs. The hat is navy blue, also with the same interlocking KC, just like on the jersey, at the front of the cap. And on the back of the jerseys has the player's name, and the player's name is also in powder blue. Sarah Torville, who is the Royal Senior Vice President, said, quote, The only thing we didn't want to do was put on barbecue. It was so obvious, and we wanted something that felt more fresh and forward, end quote. For those vegetarians out there, those vegans, or people who have never been to Kansas City or don't like barbecue, Kansas City is a huge barbecue spot. But I'm going to tell you, the best barbecue that I've ever had is actually in Lada, South Carolina. I've had barbecue in North Carolina, in South Carolina, in the boonies of Central Florida. I've had barbecue in St. Louis. I'm not that big of a fan of St. Louis barbecue because it's, I think they have, they use like vinegar or something. I don't know. I've never had Kansas city style barbecue. So I'll, I'll reserve my judgment until I make it to the city of Founds. But actually my favorite barbecue is brisket. Oh my God. I love brisket. It's just so delicious the way it just falls apart. Ah, oh, I want to get, I want to get brisket now, but I thought it was funny that, Torville said that they were going to put barbecue on the jersey. <laughs> Can you imagine a jersey with barbecue stains all over it? It sounds like some something like from a Will Ferrell movie, if they would have had barbecue stains all over the new Nike City Connect jerseys. <laughs> but they didn't do that. The Royals honored the fountains of the city, Art Deco, the, the, the architecture of Art Deco. And you're asking yourself, should I wear my Kansas City Royals Nike City Connect uniform? while watching the classic 1927 German futuristic silent film, Metropolis. Well, yes, obviously. Watch Metropolis. It's free on YouTube. It's directed by Fritz Lang. It has art deco architecture throughout the film, and it is very retro futuristic. It will blow your mind when you're, when you're watching this and you're like, 
they made this in 1927. It's an amazing film. Watch it, people. Metropolis on YouTube, directed by Fritz Lang. My only complaint about the Royals, the Nike City Connect jersey, is I think they could have done something to honor the Negro League team, the Kansas City Monarchs, whether it was on that blank left sleeve of the jersey, whether it's on the hat. I think that they missed that opportunity. As much as I love art, as much as I love, as love architecture, as much as I love barbecue, they completely whiffed on honoring the Kansas City Monarchs. Jackie Robinson played for the Kansas City Monarchs. Buck O'Neill played for the Kansas City Monarchs. That's my only thing about this uniform. Love the color. Love the references and the hints to architecture and art. But they could have done something for the Kansas City Monarchs. Overall, two thumbs up to the jersey. Even if you're watching Bobby Wood Jr., the Royals catcher, Salvador Perez, and obviously all of them playing in their City Connect jersey, sometimes our Kansas City barbecue cook-offs go wrong and a fire happens. Or a turducken recipe burns down our house on Thanksgiving. So what do we do? We call 911 and ask for firefighters. As everyone knows, the 4th of May is International Firefighters Day. And because we want to celebrate all of the courageous first responders, today we welcome a South Florida firefighter, Brian. Brian has been a firefighter for 16 years. He's a certified paramedic, and he's also earned a bachelor's in business administration. Brian, welcome to HPP. How's it going, Dorian? I'm glad to be here. I'm happy you're joining you're joining us too. So what are you guys doing for International Firefighters Day? Do you have little like Girl Scouts coming to give you cookies or someone, some choir coming to sing to you how wonderful you are? Uh, maybe it's kind of overlooked. Uh, kind of like President's Day, we really don't <laughs> celebrate it perhaps. But you brought it to my attention, so now I know it's maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good to know. So the obvious starting question with a firefighter is, What's the name of the Dalmatian that you guys have at the fire station? Sadly, uh, my fire department does not, we don't, we're not allowed to have any pets at our station. I've always thought that Dalmatians are almost like required because you see that in cartoons, you see that in the old timey movies, but all right, so there's no Dalmatian. You know what, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask the Girl Scouts of South Florida to send you guys a stuffed animal of a Dalmatian, not a live one, uh, actual, like a teddy bear, whatever. There is, however, some some people are part of the urban search and rescue team, and they do travel with the dog when they're at the station. And in the instance that they have to respond to a major incident that requires dogs to sniff out certain things, as in uh, the surfside collapse, when there was trapped people and, and the dogs had to sniff for life or sniff for death. Brian, how did you become a firefighter? What drove you to become a firefighter? I was kind of aimlessly uh, going through life in my early 20s, and I had a really good friend that was really passionate about the fire service. His, his whole family was in it. Kind of got me into it. Little by little, I started uh, finding more interest in it, and eventually I got hired, and the rest is history. So is firefighter school kind of like Navy SEALs, where they make you roll around logs in the wet, cold sand, and then uh, you know make you sleep two hours a day? We do go from Monday through Friday, you know, regular work week, uh, perhaps from nine o'clock to five o'clock in the afternoon, but there's a fair amount of training. 
So there are there are certain exercises that they put us to the challenge. So it's it's similar to to basic training where we do a lot of um, running, push-ups. We get screamed at. Sometimes we can't complete certain tasks, but we uh, we just got to show that we have the perseverance. We're not going to give up. We're going to keep fighting through the pain, and and that's uh, an integral part of the training. Very interesting. We all have gone to music concerts. We've gone to big events. We go to baseball games, football games, whatever. And you always see paramedics. You always see firefighters out there. What's that? What's that process look like? How do you get chosen to work a big event? And what is the preparation to do to go work for an event like that? Well, I mean, certain venues have uh, require certain certifications, as in uh, the football stadium. You uh, you have to get a special certification to work there, and then within that certification, there's additional ones um, where perhaps for a football game you have to be field certified, and that field certification allows you to uh, to attend to the players that get hurt. Or uh, for an upcoming event, uh, we are doing the F1 uh, Formula One racing. So there's different positions that we require different certifications, whether you're one of the, um, whether to attend to, to people that uh, require medical attention, the, the fans that is, or the actual drivers that may be involved in a, in a accident, there's specialized teams that, that are ready to, to respond. And uh, F1, F1 also gives us specific training on that as to how to remove the equipment and get them out of the car special extinguishing agents used for the car and just different procedures that in in general are are unique to that, to that sport. Brian, that is way more intricate than I ever imagined because all I ever see at events is just firefighters hanging out, kind of looking at the, the show, the, the game. And once, you know, someone may get too drunk and fall down or someone may get a pass out from heat stroke, but I didn't, I didn't realize all of the, all of the preparation, forget about the work, all the preparation that goes into these big events that we all go to. I'm not going to lie. I uh, occasionally sneak a peek. For instance, uh, I worked one of the Super Bowls and I got to see most of the second half from the stands while on the job. So that wasn't too bad. You can't be that. You're getting paid to save lives and watch the Super Bowl. And watch the Super Bowl and the halftime show. And the halftime show. So what happens when someone, like I just mentioned, someone passes out, there's some injury from some fan, or even like you said, one of the players or one of the drivers. And obviously you always see someone gets you know put in the stretcher and they get taken to the ambulance and they go off. Are there other people, other paramedics there, other firefighters there to make sure to cover in case there are other incidents? How does that work? So we usually, for big events, we usually have several teams of paramedics and or firefighters. Uh, so there's plenty of, of backup. In the case that someone needs to be transported to the hospital, there are transport units on scene. And there's still plenty of other teams uh, for any other emergencies that may arise. Because usually at a big event, uh, say a football game where it's very hot outside as it is in South Florida, there's multiple incidents going on simultaneously. So there are more than enough paramedic teams available to respond to all these calls. And we can always request outside units to come in and, and uh, pick up for transport if needed. We're using the 
firefighter and paramedics interchangeably. But like I said at the top of the introduction, that you are both a firefighter and a certified paramedic. Could you explain to us what the difference is between a, a firefighter and a, para- and a certified paramedic? Well, firemen generally respond to fire-related calls, car accidents, or any uh, bad extrications or special special incidents such as uh, the Surfside building collapse, which uh, my department responded to. There was also a, a bridge collapse where several people died. So firefighters would they're more they would respond to those types of calls, whereas paramedics is more on the medical aspect, heart attacks. Uh, strokes, different different types of medical problems um, that we treat. We're going to try to bring up the conversation here. <laughs> These, those are all very amazing things that, that communities need. But one more question about working events, whether they're concert or sporting. Do you normally see certain type of responses when you're working, for, for example, a music event versus a sporting event? Or you just you just see them you just see the same type of incidents at both a music event and a sporting event. They're very similar. People are heavily drinking. So there's a lot of, a lot of that, a lot of inebriated folks, dehydrated folks, especially when it's a daytime event or when it's very hot and humid outside. So they tend to be similar and they also, there's also a lot of perhaps fighting that goes on. So we have to respond to those as well. So you don't go in there and put like a like a sleeper hold on them. You wait for them to like you know get you know get their blows and then you go and treat the injured. Right? The poli- not- we, we let the police handle that. Yeah, you, yeah. You may be a firefighter and a paramedic, but most most of you guys are not MMA trained. So okay, well I, I understand. Although we would like to get involved, sometimes we generally defer to the police. That is very funny. So my last question to you about working events: Has there been any specific situation that has stood out for you, whether good, bad, funny, or sad? Well, I was working a, a major soccer event during the halftime entertainment. There was uh, some pyrotechnics, some fireworks. Uh, one went a little errant into the crowd, unfortunately, and it, uh, was, it struck a child. And I actually saw it happen live. So uh, we ran over there, but luckily the child was fine. No, no major injuries, but it did look quite scary to see the errant firework go into the stands and, and strike a child. And the kid, you did, and you guys didn't have to transport this young kid and his family to the hospital. You said, in that case, uh, no, he was, he was, he was okay. There was no, uh, no need to transport him. There was no major injuries. They, they, they really wanted to watch the rest of the game. Kids are incredibly resilient. That's that's crazy. When we think about first responders, whether the police, firefighters, nurses, yeah, or people in the military branches. Because you go through such intense training and through such intense situations, there's a brotherhood that everyone looks out for one another. And the HBP bullpen told me about a specific trip you took in Hawaii to Hawaii back in 2018, where some Hawaiian firefighters brothers helped you out of a sticky, out of a very sticky situation. So I went on a hike on my own, which is ill-advised. To make a long story short, I, I got stuck on the mountain, and luckily I was within cell phone reception. And I was able to, to contact the, the fire department, and uh, they, they did find me, and, uh, but I did have to spend the night on the mountain, and they were able to rescue me the following day. They had to hoist me out, 
And, you know, sometimes we, we need help ourselves in certain situations like that. My wife obviously wasn't very happy about that, but I'm glad that uh, my fellow, my fellow brothers were there to, to help me out in that uh, particular situation. What island were you at in Hawaii or what mountain were you at? I was uh, hiking the stairway to heaven in Oahu. The HBP bullpen tells me that uh, that's not, that's an ill-advised thing to do, but you know, since you're I, I, I violated several rules uh, on that, on that hike. I didn't tell anyone where I was going. Uh, I didn't have uh, sufficient equipment and I wasn't properly dressed. And I got uh, what I like to call a summit fever where I was just very determined to reach the top despite obvious indicators that I should turn around so it sounds to me like this should be a story that you need to publish, whether it's uh, YouTube, whether it's a book. Have you have you done anything with this crazy story of yours of uh, breaking all the rules and 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 living to tell the tale? I wrote a short story for myself. I, I don't know if I'll ever get it published. It's uh, it's about eight thousand words long. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe they'll make a movie about it one day. <laughs> maybe you you never know that. Brian, I want to thank you for coming on. But before we let you go, I want to ask you a question. What advice do you have to someone that's listening that is that wants to become a firefighter, whether it's someone, a youngster that's, that is that is growing up and wanting to be a firefighter or like you, has a certain career, maybe maybe even a dead end job and that they then want to pivot to become a firefighter, to become a paramedic? Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a labor of love. You know, you um, you got to be committed and be willing to work with a team, a team uh, that you, uh, you basically, we live together a third of our lives for about 30 years. So they do kind of become your brothers and sisters because you do spend a great deal of time with them. Uh, you know, you gotta get all the training. Before you even apply to become a firefighter, are there certain courses that someone can take? Is there a certain type of shape that someone's, someone's supposed to be in maybe so yeah, so it's a, a lifelong commitment. You gotta always be training. You gotta be in shape because you uh, you really have to exert yourself on a lot of these major incidents. Although they may come somewhat infrequently, uh, you do have to be ready for them and just stay up, up to date with different protocols, different things that change in medicine. So would you advise someone to take some med, I guess, medical courses to potentially become a paramedic, or is that not necessary? to become a firefighter? Uh, every municipality is different, but I'm pretty sure across the board, you uh, it helps out to have a fire certification, which takes anywhere from three months to one year. And you can also get e become an EMT and or paramedic, which uh, many departments have uh, shifted to that format where they do both EMS and, and fire at the same time. Brian? I want to thank you for coming on HVP and talking about Dalmatians, talking about how to, what drove you to become a firefighter. Peek behind the curtains of how these big events are run, especially if you do get up, if you end up getting a heat stroke, if you fall down, if you drink too much, please, people, don't drink and drive. And your Hawaiian firefighter brotherhood helping you out of a pickle. And potentially, we may see your book on uh, Amazon as a self-published book. You can always do an e-reader. I definitely feel more, more motivated now. <laughs> so now... Make it happen. If you live in South Florida, I hope that you don't meet Brian. Because if you do, that, usually, that may be 
because you're in an emergency. So I don't want any anything bad to happen with anyone in South Florida. But Brian, we still want to thank you for coming on the show today. We can always meet for happy hour, but uh, thanks for having me, Dorian. I want to thank Brian for joining us on International Firefighters Day. We also want to thank a new listener from Spokane, Washington. Thanks for listening to the podcast where we talk about baseball, drinks, stop, drop, and roll, and everything else under the sun. Share the podcast with your family and friends. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. My drink will be in the episode description. And I also always share a picture of my drink on our social media accounts. Join me next time for a brand new episode of HBP, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Goodbye. Goodbye.